0: Welcome to Credits Due, a podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Pour some gasoline down those gopher holes. And Neil Potter. Hello there! And welcome to the show, everyone. We are on uh, part one on our series on... Harrison Ford and And we're starting off so big that we need to add in some help so uh, coming in fresh off of outrunning some Imperial Starships not that local bulk cruisers mind you I'm talking about the big Corellian ships (laughs) we got (laughs) William Englander joining us
1: hello thank you for having me
0: yes thanks for, hey, hey. Uh, thanks for joining us um, very excited uh, to have you here uh, for this first first episode
1: glad to be here
0: um and as always on this show uh, we're going to start off with some film trivia and then we're going to do something new uh, we're going to talk about some box office for the movie and then of course we're going to Dive into our full spoiler filled discussion on Star Wars A New Hope. Um, then we'll end with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford, and then we'll leave you guys with some recommendations. So, and a quick editor's note before we start film trivia um, we're just going to be talking about um, the original trilogy for this one, uh, mainly focusing on Star Wars. I'm sure we'll slip in some Return of the Jedi talk and some Empire Strikes Back talk. Uh, But we're going to try to steer away from any Disney-era Star Wars uh, since we will be discussing um, The Force Awakens later on in our series. So, uh, Tyler, you want to start us off with some film trivia? Sure thing.
2: Yeah, every episode I put together four bits of trivia about our main film, and then I... Make one up completely, and you guys have to figure out which one it is. So, number one, the ruined remains of the Tatooine set are still standing in Tunisia. Number two, Harrison Ford found the dialogue to be very difficult, later saying, You can type this shit, but you can't say it. (laughs) Three, Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness's character, Obi-Wan, never actually says the line, May the force be with you. Number four, George Lucas was originally going to use existing classical music for the score like Stanley Kubrick had done for 2001 A Space Odyssey, but Steven Spielberg had his composer friend John Williams write a piece for Darth Vader's introduction. When Lucas heard the Imperial March theme for the first time he hired Williams on the spot Alright Now, William as our guest you have the honor of going first oh my gosh. Will you please see if you can pick out which one I have made up
1: Uh, I'm going to guess number two about the dialogue. Uh, I know Alec Guinness expressed dissatisfaction with the dialogue while they were filming. I've never heard that quote attributed to him, I don't think, but I'm going to guess that Mm -hmm. one. I don't recall Harrison Ford hearing complaints that Harrison Ford had about that.
2: Okay.
3: Neil, which one do you think is the fake? I'm going to go with the sets in Tunisia still being up. The first option.
0: All right. Ben? uh i'm gonna uh side alongside william for that exact reason um that maybe it wasn't even though that is like a very harrison ford thing to say um i just feel like uh alec guinness was very like vocal about how he he hated these movies so i'm gonna say that maybe he said it instead of our boy h ford
2: All right. Well, let's just go down the line here. Number one, the ruined remains of Tatooine sets are still standing in Tunisia. That is actually true. Uh, Uh, They're not in very good shape. (laughs) (laughs) They're not in very good shape, hence the uh, ruined (laughs) qualifier there. But, yes, you can still go visit the, like... Deteriorating, uh, decaying sets of the uh, moisture farm, and the some of the um, sets from the Moss Eisley Cantina, and I think that that even that giant weird like dinosaur dragon skeleton that C-3PO oh, is standing near is also still there
3: that's a crate dragon get your facts <laughs> straight it's
2: actually a greater crate dragon oh, so. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh, so many
2: serfs <laughs> and uh, that's actually
0: a real animal too that wasn't a set right they played, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're
2: yeah. yeah they just unearthed the dinosaur bones and then just Whoa. used it yeah <laughs> Uh, Number two, Harrison Ford found the dialogue to be very difficult later saying, you can type this shit, but you can't say it. That is true. He did say that.
3: Uh,
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there were definitely more than one cast member who had difficulties with the dialogue in this film. uh, And he was one of them. Uh, Number three, Alec Guinness's character, Obi-Wan, never actually says the line, may the force be with you. Uh, that is true. He never says, mm-hmm. may the force be with you. He says uh, four different variations of it, and most of them are more like, uh, Luke, the force will always be with you, or something like that. Um, but there are there are other characters, including uh, Han Solo, who actually do say, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm. So that's been one of those lines that's, uh, like many others in the Star Wars series, that has gotten like misattributed in pop culture. So uh, he never actually says it in this film. Which that means the last one is the one I made up. So it has a bit of truth to it. George Lucas was originally going to use existing classical music for the score until uh, Steven Spielberg introduced him to John Williams. But uh, all of you guys are going to lose some serious Star Wars cred here (laughs) because the Imperial March theme was not introduced until the Empire Strikes Back.
3: Oh no, I feel really it is not. It
2: is not in this movie, guys. Oh, really? Not god. at oh, my all. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I that surprised me. I, I honestly did not know that either. Everyone has that song like so ingrained into their memory related to Star Wars that I feel like every time you see Darth Vader, yeah, you just like every time you see him. Exactly, so it, yeah, that really surprised me. That uh, even I looked this up after having just watched the film, and I'm like, "No way! I swear I heard it," but no, it, it's not in this movie. So,
0: yeah, wow, wow. holy cow. Mm. damn, that's cr- that's bonkers. Um, let's uh, get into some box office. Neil, you have some box office facts for us?
3: Yeah, right after Tyler's Trivia, I'm going to drop some box office knowledge on you. Uh, this movie came out May 25th, 1977. A movie called Star Wars had a production budget of $11 million. And its total uh, domestic gross was uh, $307 million. But adjusted for inflation all-time worldwide. This is number two at $1.6 billion adjusting for inflation. The only movie to surpass that is Gone with the Wind coming in at $1.8 billion. And just for some comparison, in 1977, the the movie that came out, that uh, or the best picture that was nominated for 1977 was... Annie Hall, which is a, a Woody Allen flick, uh, that had a production budget of only four million and only grossed uh, <laughs> thirty-eight million dollars. So, oh this, wow! So this Star Wars blew it out of the water, and it just goes to show that nobody watches woody allen movies (laughs) well okay
2: (laughs) i'm pretty sure that that number was still extremely high for that time period wasn't it like yeah you're probably right multi-factor return on investment
3: still pretty good it's insane so just a little bit of comparison for the times obviously those two aren't even closely remotely like budget-wise close to each other but it's a little interesting little tidbit there
0: um yeah do you know this is that is the box office stuff because Star Wars was re-released in theaters like a hundred times mm. does that include all those re- re-releases or are all those separate Let's
3: see uh, my guess is that they're all roped in because this has a ton of like opening weeks and opening oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah I know they're Gone with the Wind are always places
1: Right.
0: Yeah, and that was like back when there was like no movies. So like everyone uh you know nowadays it's like a movie is only in theaters for a month, but like back then I mean in the 70s and even the 60s it they were in theaters for like 9 months.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they were popular like Star Wars was. Um Yeah, cuz
1: you didn't have to pull them for
0: video (laughs) yeah um also the the funny thing about it's funny that you like you brought up that annie hall tidbit because it's weird to think about like now it's like yeah the whatever marvel movie came out this year that's the one that made a billion dollars and then whatever wins the oscar awards is just some tiny movie that like no one saw in theaters but everyone like caught up to on like when it was on netflix Mm -hmm. but like star wars was technically an independent movie like i think most of that budget is from uh george lucas and his family um which is insane yeah (laughs) um and then of course they had like they had funding from like producers and like um Like, whatever else. But, like, a studio didn't really own this movie when it was first released, which is just crazy to think.
2: Yeah, Um, and the fact that he also, like, thought that he would... He leveraged the contract so that he would have all of the proceeds from merchandising. Yeah. And like that ended up to pay off like way more than anything else. Cause like that just kept making money for years and years and years and he didn't have to make any new, any new movies. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's why you get characters like Boba Fett who are hugely popular cause they're introduced as action figures And then they're in like four scenes of the movie,
3: right? And is the most biggest bumbling fool of the entire Star
0: Wars (laughs) (laughs) universe. (laughs)
3: Um,
0: (laughs) I think there's other bumbling fools, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive in. Let's dive in and talk about this movie. Um. Uh, So, William, uh, I imagine that a lot of us have the same story, but I'm wondering what is your relationship uh, to Star Wars and, more importantly, uh, Star Wars A New Hope?
1: Yeah, so mine is very, very different from probably all of yours and definitely all of my peers. Uh, I did not see, I didn't see A New Hope until junior year of high school. Ooh, Which but 2011 i know i know it, it, it took me a <laughs> while <Wow. long. laughs> <Jesus>, you're
0: young <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but, I, I may be young but i still i still should have seen the movie way before then uh i mean all my friends growing up were into star wars and i just never saw them somehow uh i mean i think i probably always had an interest and i just never did and then, then i watched the new hope
0: and you hadn't seen any of the Star Wars, correct? Like, because the prequel, Revenge of the Sith, would have been out by that year, correct?
1: Yeah, so, well, actually, Revenge of the Sith came out in 2000. The reason, I always get it confused. 2004 or five? I think it was 5. Um, and I actually did see that in theaters. My parents
0: took us to theaters. What? What? Um, what? probably not the right so you season. saw the best one first
3: <laughs> <laughs> what
0: exactly I know
3: <laughs>
1: and my dad grew up seeing all of the original trilogy in theaters so. oh no
2: I, know, I, look,
1: I'm, 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 I can't believe he didn't show my brother and I the originals before we went to yeah. go see the last one that was coming out uh, <laughs> but you I
3: did so I did see that
1: card. I, I was in third grade when <laughs> Avengers the Sith came out and I had no context, but I thought it was cool. Didn't do anything with it until high school when I saw the third. Then didn't do anything with it again until uh, my friends all wanted to watch them again. They'd seen hundred times each. I think sophomore year, I guess it was sophomore year of college, junior, beginning of junior year of college, they all wanted to rewatch them and speed up to Force Awakens coming out at the end of that year. And so, so we started on a new hope, went through all six that had been released, and that's when I saw the rest of them. Ooh. And uh, so I was um, yeah, I was twenty-one <laughs> by the time I had seen all of them. Much so, later than most people.
3: <laughs> so I actually I have a coworker who has yet to see them, which blows my mind. Um, and I want him to watch him to get his take on him, but, like, what was your take watching the first Star Wars? Did you think it was, like, dated?
1: Uh, the first time I saw it? Yeah. No, I don't think... No, I don't think I thought it was dated. I mean, I could tell it was made in 1977, but but even then, I, I could really appreciate it for what it... I mean, by that point, I'd still heard so much, and I'm still so steeped in a culture that loved it that, uh, I mean, I, I could definitely appreciate it for what it was and what it must have been in the 70s. I mean, I can only imagine. I remember my dad talking about it. I mean, he was like, it was it was mind-blowing. And that's how everyone talks about it. So I could definitely appreciate it for that, even if it, I mean, yeah, I could tell it wasn't really to be. Uh, mm. But it was still cool seeing how they pulled everything off. And, and just how, and I'll probably talk about this later, but just how good it looks. I mean, it still looks so good. It's crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I saw them all before Force Awakens, and we probably finished them a couple months before that movie came out. Um, so I saw all six in a period of a few months, and gone my whole life without Star Wars. And then some, <laughs> after I saw that last one, uh, something within the next weeks after watching, I guess *Friends of the Sith*, the last one. Within that week, something just clicked in me, and I was so on board. and And I just fell in love with the whole franchise, and I, I just thought everything was so cool. And I was going on these wiki binges, and I was so pumped for the new one. and And that stuck. I, I'm I'm a really big fan of it. I have been for about four years now, so uh, <laughs> a very long tenure, I know. But I really like Star Wars now, and I. <laughs> I mean, I always joke that I, I felt like I was catching up on 15 years I'd missed out before that, but I really fell into it hard, and I I still really enjoy it all. So, so I'm a fan now.
0: Awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, sorry for teeing you up. I I remember you telling me that you watched them all in such a short time span. That's so funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, fun. yeah so, Um, I was. Raised, I I mean, I was the exact opposite. I felt like I came out of the womb. I came out of the womb with a VHS tape of Star Wars. Um, My parents had, uh, so they had um, all three of the Star Wars movies uh, on VHS tape. But uh, this wasn't considered piracy at the time. But it was a, it was a copied VHS tape. For, that they got from a friend who either bought bought it on vhs or like watched it on television and then like cut out all the like commercials <laughs> um but i remember i like i very vividly remember that vhs tape because it had a uh like a strip of tape you know on that front end and then in like Permanent marker. It was written Star Wars.
1: <laughs> so oh hell
0: yeah! It didn't I, even have. And then it was just in an empty box, like you didn't have any branding on it at all. I'm calling the police right now. That is <laughs> <laughs> I know. statute of limitations is, is far past on that. Um, but uh, um, I I have very vivid memories of, um, on weekends my parents would like they would have family movie night and they would let the kid like my myself and my siblings pick the movie and you know we had a bunch of vhs tapes they were mostly like disney animated movies and so we would all watch a different movie and then as my brother and sister got older uh they got bored of family movie night so they would not participate And then it was my decision every time. And I probably picked Return of the Jedi every single time. I probably, (laughs) my parents watched that movie probably a good hundred times. And uh, I do not apologize. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, I have uh, in, when when the special editions were released and they did, They did a run of all three in the theaters. I remember my mom and I going to a matinee of Empire Strikes Back. And that was the first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters. And uh, I was like, I think that was 1997. So I was Mm -hmm. nine years old. And like, I got one of those, like, you know, at movie theaters, they have those little like boxes that kids get and you get like a handful of popcorn and then like a (laughs) tiny thing of m&ms and then like a Uh, drink and the drink is like this collectible cup and the one i got was return of the jedi and had all the characters on the cup and my mom still has that cup (laughs) that's awesome Um, it's so faded but she like still has it it's incredible yeah
3: my my initial thing or my like first exposure to is most a lot like yours ben uh the first time i remember watching it my parents had like the the dvd or not the dvd the vhs set of it and the three tapes all combined into one and we would just <laughs> nice. watch them through all all the time uh it was like between any one of these original Trid star wars movies batman 1989 and robocop like those were on repeat all the time (laughs) a weird smattering of movies i get it but um yeah so i had grown up with them like my entire life and like i was immediately hooked by him as well so all through my life i i loved him uh but i i mean the first star wars movie i saw in theaters was probably the phantom menace which isn't, like, the best one, best foot forward for seeing a Star Wars <laughs> theaters, But, uh, like, I, I, I liked it at the time. I would have been in, like, middle school at the time, so I probably really liked it. Darth Maul was sweet, so that's oh, yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the original Star Wars movies are totally ingrained in my entire childhood.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm much the same way. My uh my family didn't really have a whole lot of movies. Like we didn't own a lot of movies, but uh my uncle who lived in Chicago did. And I remember we I remember the very first time I saw Star Wars. Like it would had been kind of hyped up because my dad was a big fan from when he was a kid, but we had not owned it and so I hadn't seen it yet. And so we went to go visit my aunt and uncle. And we watched all three movies in a weekend in Chicago. And I just, it was like magic. I was instantly a fan and I understood like exactly why these movies were so popular and why my dad spoke so highly of them. And it wasn't until a few years later when I was probably like 11, 10 or 11, when I got, i convinced my parents to give me my own TV in my bedroom with a VHS player in it, and then I went out and bought the VHS tapes and so then I watched them all the time, too. But yeah, it's uh, uh, the honestly, uh, though, a weirder, bigger part for me of Star Wars was that I, I love to draw when I was a kid. And so we would get like the Star Wars art books, like the uh, the aliens of Star Wars or the ships of Star Wars, like the cross sections of ships from Star Wars and stuff. And man, those were incredible. So, yeah, a very huge fondness for that entire universe, the films, books, everything everything so that's cool that's
3: awesome
0: love it um all right let's let's dive into a new hope so um uh also editorial note uh we all actually watched the despecialized editions for this movie um so i think uh a lot of our probably viewpoints are gonna stem from that i don't know if any of you watched uh i watched like half of the of the newest release the digital version that disney put out Mm -hmm. um but i didn't i didn't watch all of it i just kind of jumped in to you know just see like all the changes um uh but yeah this uh The Despecialized Edition, that was probably the first time that I saw that version of the movie since I was a child. Like, probably six or seven. Um, Because then when we got the actual, that VHS box set, that was, like, when they added a bunch of changes to it. Yep. Um, It was so, like, watching this old cut is so... It was so refreshing. Like it's, it seems weird. Well, I don't know if it's that weird, but like, uh, I feel like th- that's the best version of this movie. Like one hundred percent. I agree as well. It, it, it's
2: so the things they've added are so incongruous with the rest of the film. Like it just does nothing. Nothing fits where they've inserted things. Like all the CGI stuff looks like it's. Old video game graphics, like it mm. looks terrible, and it just none of the changes are necessary, and half of them, I'd say, are like actually detrimental. So I was, I was I, the one I, I had originally found the despecialized version a few years ago, and I, I had said we should watch that one because I think everyone, everyone's seen Star Wars, everybody knows Star Wars. We're not going to run through the plot, you know, but I think getting this like window into what the original movie was is a really neat way to revisit it and talk about it for a podcast so like I I'm really into the the amount of the amount of work that went into recreating and like Rebuilding this old footage and making it look nice is just staggering. Uh, it's if you want to look it up, the it's called the Harmies Despecialized Edition of Star Wars, and there's a YouTube video you can check out where it makes comparisons to what the original footage looked like compared to like the latest Blu-ray and DVD releases, and man, it is like. There are some night and day differences for even some of the most minor things they've changed. So it's it's an incredible amount of fan work that went into it. And uh, I believe it's still technically protected under fair use as long as you oh, really? own the actual yeah. films. Uh, so it's, it's considered a fan edit, which is legal if you own the film that you are receiving a fan edit of. So go and look it up. Uh, it's not necessarily advocating piracy. It's a very gray area there, but it's uh, it's still available, so go check it out. Um, that's the version
0: we watched. Um, uh, yeah, and it was just like, I mean, this is a movie that I had seen probably, I mean, I've probably over the course of my lifetime, I've probably seen well over 100 times and it but like watching it with like all these changes removed it was really refreshing because there's just there is just a charm to watching an old movie like even with all the mistakes in it because mm-hmm. um, like it like it's aged very well too like all the aliens mm-hmm. and even um the space battle at the end with the when they use, like, miniatures, um, they all looked great. And yeah, yeah. I was very surprised and just, like, delighted to rewatch this movie.
3: I agree. It gave it a little bit more, like, grit to it. Like, seeing, like, when, like, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader have another fight at the end and, like they just like there's one point where Obi-Wan points his lightsaber almost directly at the camera and his lightsaber just disappears because I didn't yeah. want to like rotoscope it or whatever was going on like it's that stuff that's just incredible like obviously there are some parts that look pretty bad that they tried to do but like all things considered it it's pretty it's just great mm-hmm. like that grit that like realism like that just grounds it kind of is it's just i agree this is the best way to watch this mm.
0: yeah i love that that fight between obi-wan and vader cuz uh at the very beginning alec Guinness does this like little spin um right (laughs) that's the the funniest thing when Darth Uh, Vader
3: could have just easily chopped his back
0: like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's this old guy trying to do some fight choreography and then a dude just in this giant like costume that can't move very well
2: (laughs) yeah yeah they they banked entirely on people being just in awe at these glowing lightsabers (laughs) and not paying attention to anything else.
0: But yeah, that, that little shot where, um, Obi-Wan's lightsaber like vanishes. Um, they fixed it in a very early, um, edition of the movie, I think. Um, but that was like one of the things that I loved, about this because I even as a kid I remember that shot and I honestly thought it because like when you're a kid like there's no mistakes in movies right like everything mm-hmm. is done intentional and I thought it was just because he had an old lightsaber it was like <laughs> that's was awesome. Like, this lightsaber was just Flickering. in yeah yeah like it was like going out like the batteries were low or something <laughs> it's like That's this old guy awesome. just like oh my laser sword has been in this closet i was <laughs> living in this desert this dry uh humid humid air it's just like ruined my laser sword but <laughs> gotta go fight my old apprentice hope he doesn't kill me
3: <laughs> yeah one
0: thing
3: uh, i oh can go on william oh no neil n- n- you, you, you go Sir, sure. I was just going to bring up like it's it's kind of touching on stuff beyond the movie. Um, but like all of like the concept art, I think it was like Ralph Bakshi who did all. Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But like all like going back through and looking at all the concept art and bringing all of that to like all of it to life, like building the Darth Vader costume, all the like the ins and outs like what I think there's like a bunch of documentaries and stuff about it and I'm sure you can catch some of it on YouTube or the special edition Star Wars would have it but just George Lucas going through talking about how they created the sound effects how they like what they had planned and how that changed throughout the process of making the movie like that stuff is like equally as fascinating as the movie in general like how they were able to do the stuff because When you think about it, like we all know industrial light and magic exists now and is like a great studio. But like this, these people were like just pioneers in the industry Mm -hmm. to make this movie specifically. And it was just amazing of the ways that they were able to come up with to like portray this. Like this wasn't your like grandma's flash gordon or whatever like (laughs) where you could see like things on a string like floating around like a spaceship but like they had like miniatures stop motion like animation rotoscoping and a bunch of other like computer generated effects that they invented for this movie and that like is what also just brings out like the charm of this incredible movie
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're gonna say something
1: Oh, yeah, I guess to respond to that, someone, maybe it was Ben, mentioned about how good the movie looks, Good, the cantina scene in A New Hope, even today, just, it's, it's amazing how perfectly it's aged, I mean, not perfectly, but there's all, I mean, yeah, there's all these different species of life from across the galaxy in there, and they're all practical, and mm-hmm. they all look so real. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't know the prequels as well, but there's a Cantina or Cantina-ish you know, scene in one of them, isn't there? And, and is mm-hmm. it in Return of the Jedi where, for the special editions, George added in that, that like, monster or that alien with the red lipstick that's singing or something? Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And obviously yeah. that's late 90s CGI. That, that was never going to look great. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Even stuff that... I guess my other prequel example is still pretty old by CG standards now, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I struggle to think of any thing I've seen like that today. I mean, even the I mean, the Guardians movies look really good, and they have a lot of different alien life forms and all this stuff uh, that are in the movies. But I, nothing feels as real to me as when I watch a new Hope, and They're just going through all these different scenes with all these weird-looking creatures that you've never seen before. Just mind blowing.
0: Good. At- yeah, it's an incredible amount of world building because they really show a lot of aliens just in a bar, and they're all doing like, you know, they're smoking cigarettes or playing poker. Like they're all doing stuff that you can like easily identify. Um, but, but they're all these crazy aliens, and every single one is different. It's
3: exactly yeah. Even the- even. The devil was even there a guy just (laughs) who looks like the devil yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's like walked in from like trick-or-treating on halloween and they're like wow you're amazing get in there
1: (laughs) any ones that look like they're uh you know they look like they're you can tell it's a costume or other you can you obviously know it's not a real alien but the material Mm -hmm. is real like Tell that it's
0: yeah. made of a real thing that just mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean Chewbacca in that way like mm-hmm. he, you can tell that that's not a real like that's not a real like beast because his like mouth only moves in one direction <laughs> but like yeah. just that acting the voice acting and then the like physical acting of it like it brings that character life And it's, I think that's even in these small parts of all in like the cantina, um, like just the incredible like character design really like makes all these aliens, um, even though they might seem outdated to like today's standards, like it, they age very well.
2: Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that all those little background details are, they're so crucial to why this movie really took off because, and even like the dialogue stuff that some of the actors complain about, right? Like that, those little things that, don't seem to make any sense when you look at it from like an objective screenwriting perspective. Mm -hmm. That's those are the elements that children just latch onto, right? Like the, it's what inspires their imagination. Like when Obi-Wan is sitting with Luke and telling him about his father and how he fought back in the clone wars. And that's just like a one-off little reference. And you're just like, what the fuck were the clone wars? That sounds awesome. (laughs) And you like, lose track of what the rest of what they're saying because you're imagining what the fuck the Clone Wars are mm. like it's I'm sure that that was a line that Alec Guinness was like what the fuck are the Clone Wars <laughs> and kids are thinking what the fuck are the Clone Wars I want to know like yeah. it's just a totally different way of looking at the same thing right and so all those little background details are so so important to like why this captured people's minds and imaginations I it's so cool and it's the w- reason why I had like whole books that explained every single one of those little alien species and had pictures and descriptions of them like I just ate that shit
3: up you're right Mm. and to kind of expand on that further I like that like he didn't uh, George Lucas like didn't hold your hand like oh he's talking about Dantooine or Yavin 4 or something like that (laughs) and it's like maybe you may not even visit these places ever again, but like that's how, like he needs it to feel real to the characters in the movie. So like if we're talking in a movie that's set on earth, obviously if I say France, everyone kind of gets like, you have to have that world awareness within like the world that he's created. So like, I like that he doesn't hold your hand. he just let your imagination ride. And uh, yeah, that that is the universe like and it just and the expanse that it brings between like just reading wookie and all this shit like it's just it, i could sit there all day and just learn mm-hmm. about this stuff
0: <laughs> and one of the things that i actually love about this movie and i've heard a lot of people complain that this is just like lazy filmmaking but i love how everyone like pronounces things differently <laughs> know. Like, yeah like obi-wan says uh like chewbacca i think a couple times Uh, i noticed that too yeah and then Uh, i think uh governor tarkin uh says everything differently like (laughs) i think he he says leia's name differently and then he says he doesn't say alderaan he says Alderan. yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's you know i think a lot of people see that as just like you know uh like a filmmaker not caring And like getting everyone to say the same word But to me it's like It's like it's real You know yeah. like it's how like Russians say Moscow, But all, all us Americans are like Moscow <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Well the and,
3: fact uh, that George got them to say these words at all Like
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> true yeah Um uh, Go ahead, William.
1: Well, the question I was going to ask earlier, Ben, you said you were nine when special editions came out, theater yeah. and on VHS. So, but I guess this question is, this could be for everyone. Uh, but what was nine-year-old? I mean, I know what current years' reaction to special editions is, but what did as a nine-year-old? What did you think? Like, holy shit! He, he's updating my favorite movie, adding in oh, all this yeah. cool shit. It's going to be so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, it was exactly that it was like it was it was like yes like we're getting a new movie like you know it's (laughs) a movie I love but it's it's new you know like yeah I I ate it all up and um and it was like better quality too yeah that's true it wasn't just he wasn't just adding in stuff or in changing lines and stuff like uh that VHS tape of the special editions it was like better quality and of course that was also the first copy that i got that had branding on it like it actually mm-hmm. had a picture of uh, Luke, Vader, and yoda on on the old vhs boxes yeah
2: yeah i think i think all those changes they worked for the time that they came out right like it was it was like the wild west for cgi that was the time period when like uh you know jurassic park had just come out a few years before and really blown people's socks off and so i think you know creative directors who weren't uh, weren't afraid of embracing new technology like george lucas were just like yeah let's do this you know and to his credit he did something totally uh, unheard of right like going back and updating stuff in a movie that he had created Mm -hmm. and people really dug it at the time but I think it's like it it didn't he didn't have the foresight to see that it would only take like five years for those special (laughs) effects to look dated and it takes away the magic of the existing effects right like so anything that is not updated sticks out like sore thumb as does the cgi stuff so it's like this Constant contrast between the two versions like from scene to scene and it like it doesn't allow you to appreciate the achievement that the original effects were like when you're you kind of said this at the beginning William where when you when you see this version the the despecialized version you are watching it knowing that all of this was made in 1977 when this is the movie people were lined up around the block to go see in theaters like time after time after time and you get it right like you get wow this must have blown people's minds in 1977 but when you watch the specialized version with the added cgi you're like wow this was like cool i guess in 1997 but it sucks <laughs> now like that's that's the response right so it's just a totally different context and it just it's so disappointing to me that like we the those Upgraded for lack of a better word, versions are like the only ones that most people can have access to.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think when the moment when I finally started to turn against these special editions was when they started to add in stuff from the prequels into these new movies. Yeah. Like I think You didn't like the, Hayden
1: and your Return uh, of the Jedi? Yeah. The,
0: <laughs> yeah, Force Ghost uh hayden christensen is i think the big one but i even think all the stormtrooper dialogue is has been replaced by the guy who voices jango fett um is that oh, right I, don't. I think that's I don't, it i don't know because like they're all clones like right now in canon they're like all most of them are clones so i i'm pretty sure a lot of that dialogue is replaced which is just like um it's just bonkers <laughs> it that that is yeah. weird yeah and a lot of stuff like that is you know like there's some mistakes that are fixed and some things are changed and there's like continuity errors that are fixed and that i i mean now i'm like don't change it like once it's released like don't change it mm-hmm. but you know stuff like that there's a lot of small changes in these movies that are fine, but then there's like, I mean, removing like with Hayden Christensen, removing someone's entire performance, like an actor's entire performance at that movie, and replacing it with just the new guy. Like that's like that's dark.
2: Uh, and it, not only what that, it? but it, like
0: destroys his character arc too. Uh he, oh, yeah, kind of, yeah
2: like it 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 basically says oh well the younger one was the real anakin like the one that saved his son is the one that one doesn't count we're not gonna Mm -hmm. put that one because he's got a gross face
0: well (laughs) i mean i mean vader killed anakin i mean from a certain point of view you know so yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) that's, that's not even consistent with the rules that empire and turn of the jedi play by when it Ghost, which is to appear <laughs> yeah. as you were when you died
2: yeah <laughs> so that's what
1: i was uh, not in your physical
2: process mm-hmm. then you still have
1: alec guinness right next to hayden it would have
0: yeah. been, <laughs> been funny if yoda showed up at the end of return of the jedi and he was like super tall and buff on now since we're on the topic of these changes uh let's get into the most controversial controversial one guys uh let's talk about uh hand shot first yeah Um, okay i'll start (laughs) i fucking love that
3: han solo just fucking murders greedo right in that bar (laughs) like watching like i was looking forward to this because i know the special edition it looks like shit Because, like, they try to, like, make it weird. So, like, Han Solo does this weird little head tilt and then, like, shoots him. (laughs) But I love it because he just pulls his gun out and he's like, yeah, right, bitch, and shoots him. Like, that is amazing. Like, I don't know why that was ever changed. Like, it's just so more – it's so more – like, I know they're trying to make, oh, Han Solo, he's got to be more of a – He's got to be a more like uh, I don't know, uh, better, char- more sympathetic or like a better character. Like he's better than this. I'm like, no, he's not. Like he's a scumbag. Like yeah. it's like I think this works better for Han Solo's character than changing it.
0: Yeah, it's Agreed. also better filmmaking because it's. I think you see the blast, the like blast from the blaster, like before you see him shoot. Uh, right in this original version so it's almost like a shock like it's like oh my god what just happened
2: yeah you you see him slide his uh blaster out of the holster on his Mm -hmm. hip and he's like pointing it at him but then but you're right it's just out of nowhere he just shoots him and you're like whoa shit Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a striking character moment right like i mean you should it should be fairly understood from the start like he's in moss isley cantina the place that obi-wan just like seconds before described as the most wretched hive of scum and villainy right like yeah. he is a he like if you're watching this movie for the first time and you have no cultural knowledge of who Han Solo is you should expect like oh this guy's gonna like he's a wild card maybe he's gonna fuck them over and like leave them stranded or something like you you don't know who this character is and that's what makes the rest of the movie compelling because he's a total
3: unknown right right and Obi-Wan can't have the high ground No pun intended Of like <laughs> Because he He
0: always has the high ground yeah,
3: He seconds before chopped off some dude's arm Like right, yeah, right
1: before yeah. that Yeah
0: <laughs>
1: That catches me off guard every time I forget he does that every time I watch him. I know
0: Yeah and it's funny that Like there's a lot of blood from that too <laughs> And mm-hmm. Uh yeah. The, um. Uh, the blood from that arm, and then the uh, Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen's uh burnt skeletons. Oh man, that's like stuff that's like, oh, this like this was not Star Wars back then. Like <laughs> yeah. that we know now. Like you would never right. see that. Is, is um, the blood
1: from the arm in the cantina taken? Man, I haven't seen the movie as much as you. Is it taken? Is that blood removed in the special edition?
0: I think I it's still there.
1: I think it's still there. Okay, yeah. is it? I must have just forgotten. Is it? That also caught me off guard, and and I I couldn't remember if it was canon or something that was actually stated in universe or just an excuse everyone used. None of the Star Wars games have blood, including the new one that's coming out. People are like lightsabers. Uh, it
0: cauterizes the wound instantly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw the blood
1: here. I was like, "What?"
0: <laughs> I think that's what happens. I think that is now canon, like in the it movie. It
1: is okay. Okay, like, I didn't know.
0: Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! When uh, Darth Maul gets cut in half. Like, there's not (laughs) just, like, a shit ton of blood.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. That would really
0: change that scene. (laughs) Obi-Wan's just covered in blood. (laughs) It's like Kill Bill. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Yeah, back to the uh, Han shooting first. Um, I was... uh, Before I watched this uh, despecialized edition... um, I was a hundred percent in the camp of who cares, right? I mm-hmm. was really like, it doesn't matter. It does. I mean, it's ch- it's changed. Like, who cares? Like, I don't care. Whatever. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and then after I watched this this version, I'm a hundred percent on. N- not only this uh <laughs> does hand shoot first. But he is the only one that shoots. Yes. And yeah. That is, I am on that team, Good. all the way. <laughs> um, also, the big change, the next big change is uh, when they, when he returns to the Millennium Falcon, and right before they leave uh, Tatooine, there is a scene added in with Jabba the Hutt. Um, I'm sure all oh. all of you have seen this Looks um, so bad <laughs> yeah it is the scene where he meets Jabba and they kind of give this talk and it's kind of like it's really shitty like it's just a weird way to see Jabba because he's not like he's not like Don Corleone he's just like this like he's not like a mob boss in this scene it's very odd mm-hmm um but also if you haven't seen uh you can find it on youtube but um and also probably all the like special features of the new movies if you own them probably have this deleted scene but it was filmed with an actual human like uh, so. right jabba wasn't a, a hut he was just um it was just a, a dude
3: a dude in a fur coat. <laughs>
0: yeah. like, that's all it was. Yep. And he's speaking in English. He's not speaking in Huttese. And it's actually a pretty interesting scene because I think the guy who plays Jabba is actually doing a good performance, um, um, which I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but if you've never <laughs> seen that, like, look it up. Um, it's on YouTube, and it's pretty okay. fascinating.
1: And, and if I remember correctly that's another wonky edit speaking of wonky edits and Han's little head tilt uh, he, there's a, a point in the scene where he walks behind human Jabba and then when they put CGI Jabba and had to had to be quote stepping over Jabba's tail
0: Yeah, so they had right.
1: to like raise Harrison Ford up somehow in the footage while he's behind him it's so mm-hmm. weird yeah yeah, yeah. bizarre that whole scene is just so interesting yeah <laughs> just seeing all the iterations that's
0: true um but the one thing i wanted to bring this up because they they added um later on in another version um they added boba fett into the scene
1: uh,
0: and yeah. if you have not seen this version i highly recommend you look it up because it's hilarious because <laughs> like it's a conversation between han and jabba and you see kind of like jabba's like minions scattered around and at the very end they kind of all just walk away and then boba fett enters this enters like the frame frame and then he looks directly at the camera <laughs> 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 and it is uh, so it is so like it's so like Yep, there he is. There's Boba Fett. Like, let it's like pause for applause break.
3: <laughs> God,
2: yeah, I think that whole scene added back in is pro is my personal most egregious edit. Like, I don't know if like they just forgot why they cut it, but mm. it it wasn't because. I, it really wasn't because of the technical challenges. Like, uh, they originally had wanted to do like a stop motion version of Jabba, mm-hmm. Their, like the original design of him as a creature. I don't think it was quite the design that they would eventually have for him in the later films, but it, they just couldn't get it to work, right? And so they had a human do the stand in, and it, they were going to try to use it with just a human uh, character instead. And They didn't cut it because it didn't work Technically they cut it just because it was a bad Scene like yeah. it was unnecessary It slowed the pacing down It it told us nothing No new information than what we had already Learned from Greedo and like It just didn't Need to be there and so it, That's an example of where like Their The retroactive Quote unquote improvements Just were A like uh, ignoring why the scene originally didn't work in the first place you know and mm-hmm. they're like well we just have this footage we could use and add java in there It just it totally fan service and it just doesn't need to be there at all
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it totally undercuts what greedo how greedo talks about java like mm-hmm. he really makes it seem like he's the vile gangster that he well, is in return of the jedi
2: and so I'll say this, uh, this will spoiler, spoil my recommendation a little bit, but that is, so Greedo's dialogue in that sequence with Han is actually, um, uh, they had to edit that in order to get around the fact that they had to cut the Jabba scene, because oh, really? originally <laughs> originally they spoke in English to each other. Uh-huh. and. There were a lot of details that were left out that were going to be in the Jabba scene. But when they cut the Jabba scene, they dubbed over him with, over Greta with an alien voice and just used the subtitles to explain who Jabba was. And so it's like a genius... It was like a fortuitous thing, right? Like, it makes that scene more interesting. The alien hmm. language is really cool. Like and it, it condenses down that information and gets us on our way, like into the actual crux of the film. Like we're just m- picking up the pace here and we, we don't need to be interrupted with this long dialogue with Java. Mm. And so like, that's a genius work of editing and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in my recommendation.
0: Mm. Um, any, any thoughts on, uh, We've really kind of talked only about Tantooine in this, but any any thoughts on the later parts of the movie? Um, uh, I think the MVP scene of this movie, and really the MVP actor, is um, uh, General Tarkin. Um, And specifically the scene where they uh, blow the shit out of Alderaan. (laughs) Uh, That scene is just incredible and i i watched it like three or four times because just the performance between uh carrie fisher um and then who's uh the tarkin actor peter cushing peter cushing yeah oh they're so they're so good together Mm -hmm. yeah and that scene is just like the tension it builds and then the stakes that it sets for having uh a space station with a giant laser that could blow up a planet—it's incredible.
3: I agree. Um, actually, all of that stuff is pretty incredible. Like anything that revolves around like that boardroom of like um, imperial. Like directors, like I always found that actually quite riveting, which is kind of funny because they have a whole scene that talk about the politics, like oh, we've dissolved the Senate and this and that, and that's the one that Phantom Mendes gets lambasted for for having too much politics. <laughs> but like,
2: yeah, I actually yeah.
3: really enjoyed that because it helped kind of like build up, like, just how the empire is, how like just, just terrible and just authoritarian or gross they are, and. Yeah, Tarkin is an awesome character, uh, who like you wish would have maybe made it further into more movies. I mean, he did uh, in in Rogue One, but like, uh, <laughs> well, no, he we didn't. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> not, not the edit that I watch. <laughs> you just skip past that scene entirely. <laughs> yeah,
3: I do. Um, but. Yeah, like he is such a good character and like you wish he would have like continued on to be a, a main foil. But uh, obviously Darth Vader's a, a far bigger and better foil because uh, obvious for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. yeah, all that stuff is incredible. Like the all the aesthetic of the Death Star is really well done. Like it's uh, just the sets they had to build, the imagination that or, you know, like how they think this would have like existed in this kind of universe. It's all incredible.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. I before we get into some final thoughts here, I think I do want to talk more about Harrison Ford generally. Yeah. I've, this is the first time that I've really watched this movie, like specifically focusing on Han Solo, the character, and Harrison Ford's performance. And I, I guess up until now, I'd really, I really had pictured this as like a three equal parts uh lead film between Luke, Leia and Han and the, them being the the main protagonists and heroes of the story but it's really apparent to me now how just how much weight Harrison Ford is carrying here. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. his the the vast majority of scenes that still make me laugh to this day are all him. The the vast majority of action sequences that are punctuated by him doing something freaking badass are just staggering. Like, there, there's so much Han Solo in this film that I guess I just wasn't. I, I think I was just enamored with the idea of being a Jedi. That I have this picture in my mind of Luke being way cooler in this movie than he is. <laughs> okay. But he's like a whiny dipshit for yeah. most of the movie. Oh, yeah.
3: I just wants to go to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters.
2: <laughs> my, my wife and I laughed so hard at that scene because that line is so great.
0: What is? Yeah, what an incredible line. Tashi yeah. station and power converters.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's peak Star Wars dialogue right
0: there. Yeah, but it's yeah, funny it just, that like uh, this is also like to look at what those three actors did before this. Um, this is like Carrie Fisher's like first role mm-hmm. um I think she's in like uh she's in like a um a TV uh, she's in a movie with Debbie Reynolds when she was young and then yeah then one other movie before Star Wars um and then it's almost the same with Harrison Ford he's in a bunch of television and then um then like a few movies here and there but it's like like uh, American Graffiti and Apocalypse Now those are like both like two scenes i think um even though those are pretty big movies yeah um oh wait Apocalypse Now is after Star Wars uh, Yeah. but what, oh, whatever and American
2: Graffiti is like the main reason he got this role cuz that was George Lucas directed that mm-hmm. and uh he he actually He because he knew Harrison Ford, he was using Harrison Ford to practice uh, running lines against other people who are auditioning. Mm -hmm. And by the end of auditions, he's like, I'm he wanted to use uh, like no name actors. And uh, but by the end of auditions, he's like, yeah, this is it's got to be Harrison Ford in this role. Mm -hmm. And it's like that how crazy some of these like early roles, and we've seen this in with a lot of our other actors too, right? Like how fortuitous some of these early roles are that just completely launch their careers, mm-hmm. and this is like quintessential when you look at examples like that of Harrison Ford landing this role for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: he's so he's so perfect in it too. Like it's you can see his like entire career just from this one role.
2: Yeah, um, he's an absolute joy to watch. Mm-hmm. I think my my favorite scene in this movie still to this day is when they break into the, the cell block to rescue uh, <laughs> Leia, and he, they shoot up all the guards, they shoot all the cameras and laser turrets and whatever, and then someone calls over the intercom and was like, what's going on down there? And then he, he's replying like, uh, everything's okay, uh, how, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> apparently he purposely didn't le- learn his lines for how to respond to make it seem more off the cuff and god damn, that, mm-hmm. it still gets uh-huh. me every time. I yeah. laugh so hard.
3: It works. I think... Harrison Ford is by far like the the best, like maybe not acclaimed, but best actor in this movie. Like he yeah. has like everything about him. Like he's got like the Harrison Ford, as everyone knows it down perfectly from scene one. And mm-hmm. it's just he's incredible in this whole. Mm-hmm.
0: Movie. Yeah, he's crazy. the heart of it for sure. Um, One of the other things that I I always forget, but when he you know him coming in to like Save the day during the Death Star battle. I forget that that's like the last minute of that whole set piece that he comes in. Yeah. Like maybe a- actually it's like twenty seconds. Yeah, like he uh, comes in, he shoots Darth Vader, and then like they fly, and then like ten seconds later they fly away, and the De- Death Star blows up. Yep. <laughs> and I, for in my mind, it's always been that he like it, that the minute. Lin- the Millennium Falcon is there like longer during. Yeah. It's like there like halfway through that scene. He's part sure. of the trio
1: in your head.
0: Yeah. Why he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Any any last words on this movie? Otherwise, I say we'll we go to final thoughts. Let's do it. Cool. Um. For every movie, we'll give uh, we'll give um Harrison Ford a rating of how uh of how he did and uh. This time around, guys. Uh, wh- what do you think of this? What if we do one to five Harrisons? How does that sound?
3: <laughs> Wait a minute, you telling <laughs> me we've been doing Julian Moore's for so long now we got to switch to Harrisons. This is a yep, whole new scale, buddy.
0: It's a whole new scale.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, I'm gonna I, have to really do some calculations gonna in my say, head. I right going to
3: pull up a converter.
2: I've been working at Julian's for so long
3: I'll go to Tashi Station I'll pick up some (laughs) converters
0: wow you better not have said that just to set up that joke (laughs) alright William you want to go first and uh, give us just some final thoughts
1: um yeah, I don't know I don't know how off the mark I'm to the other to the three of you but I don't love this movie
2: <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> I,
1: I I I don't know how controversial a thought that is I, I like it I really do like it I enjoy watching it but I've seen it probably three or four times now I've never loved it every time anytime I've seen it I don't know why um uh, I don't know. There's just a couple points where it drags for me, like from uh, from three PO and R two landing on Tatooine. Old Ben showing up does that sequence drag for anyone else at all?
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it drags. Yeah, I, I could see that. Okay, it's, I didn't it's know if pretty I bonkers crazy. to open a movie with two droids walking through a desert, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, it, and it goes on for a while. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, there's. I, I definitely like uh, I like the two that follow this one more, but I still do enjoy it. Uh, it's still it's still really cool seeing, seeing how everything's kicked off, not just how the franchise kicked off, but the uh, world that I really do love now. Seeing seeing this, all the seeds of the lore that were planted here and uh, where everything goes, and it's fun watching it now, knowing everything that comes next chronologically before and after, uh, even though I think Star Wars especially, I mean this is the case with a lot of franchises but especially Star Wars, the things that come after this, um, they always try their best to make it fit in but a lot of times it's not really a perfect fit, uh, but it's still fun watching it with all that knowledge just meant to piece it and when Obi-Wan's talking about Clone Wars, and then you think back to what you do know about the Clone Wars now, and you're like, oh, that's... But I still enjoy them. Um, but I don't love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably... Uh, do you want to give us a rating? Uh, yeah so, Harrison Ford a rating?
1: Okay, yeah, so are, am I rating Harrison Ford out of the Harrisons, or am I giving the
0: um, yeah, whatever. A little, a little <laughs> of both. <laughs> whatever.
1: <laughs> I'll give the movie cute. three out of five Harrisons. Nice. But I'll be generous and give Harrison himself five out of five
0: Harrison. Oh. He, okay.
3: he really does fit the role perfectly.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, Neil, what about your final thoughts?
3: Um, my final thoughts are this, like, you know, I kind of... I get what you're saying, William. Like I get it, (laughs) and I'm I'm kind of. (laughs) You're welcome. And I like if I had, I was actually thinking about this last night when I was watching it too. Like if I was watching this for the first time and I don't know anything about Star Wars, I would probably not like this movie either, (laughs) Uh, or or not care for it as much. But being as the way I am now and how I was raised with it. And like what I know now, I still like have to give this movie like five out of five Harrisons for me. Um, that's fair. <laughs> it, but like, I totally get it. I get why you wouldn't like this. And I hear people who have never seen him before and watch this and they're like, oh man, like, that's what you guys are raving about. But like, yeah, that is what we're raving about kind of a thing. Like <laughs> I, it's, I dunno, it's such a part of like my interest in my character now that like, it's just so ingrained in me that all of this stuff I love, but you made up a, you said a good point, like of your imagination filling stuff in. I think that is now a huge part of this that makes this movie all the better for me. Like a filling it in, knowing what it, almost like some scenes that like, oh, it would have been cool this way. And I would see the movie that way, I guess. Like I re- for I remember the fight scene between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader being really slow and boring. And I watched it this time and I was like, you know what? That's pretty great. It's still, it yeah, it's slow and it's like two old people just whapping sticks together. <laughs> but like, it's still like incredible for some reason. Uh, and it's I, dramatic. Yeah, exactly. And like you, and then you're like, what is he gonna do? He's smiling, he's not defending himself. Oh shit, he's been chopped into nothing. You're like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Like. That's just, it's all part of the universe that just makes you fall in love with it. So it's five out of five for me. Mm.
2: Tyler? Yeah, I mean, no surprises here. It's going to be five out of five. Harrison's for me as well. Um, This is just, I think it's one of those things where Star Wars is so pervasive that, like, it's, if you haven't seen it by now, it's likely because you have even after being inundated with star wars pop culture for years you just know that that's not something that interests you and so of course when you finally watch it you're probably not gonna like it like both because you've had half the shit spoiled for you like you've seen you feel like you've seen it already just because you've you know taken it in in other forms like it's just it's hard right it's really hard to watch these movies when it's such a cultural touchstone and like we we kind of touched out on that in a few of our other movies too like even the matrix like borders on that or it's starting to right like it's been so in the pop culture consciousness for so long that like with without the without the historical uh without having grown up with it 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 becomes difficult to find an entry point i think and so I mean and not to say that William you didn't grow up with it you said you came to it a little bit later but like I I can totally understand why someone wouldn't like Star Wars or or doesn't doesn't care for it as much as other people do but that's like so much of that is just nostalgia right like there I can absolutely see the flaws in this movie but I just don't care <laughs> I just don't care because it's like it's like magic right it's it's just It it makes me a little kid again when I watch it. So it's... And Harrison Ford, uh, like I said earlier for the first time, I'm like really recognizing just how much he did for this movie. I do not think this would be the same star Wars. If you just removed him and replaced him with somebody else, I don't think it would have been the ma- mega massive hit like that. It, it has the technical stuff. It has the spectacle, but it I don't think it would have the same heart. Like he is such a big part of that. And like, man, I just think about how old he is right now. Like, the day he dies, it's going to just like fucking wreck me. Um, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of that is because of his role in star Wars. So yeah, this is, this is a classic.
0: Yeah. I, I got to give this five out of five Harrison's as well. Damn. Um, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> it, it's definitely nostalgia plays a pretty big okay. part in that. Um, and I will admit to that, uh, empire strikes back is definitely the better movie. um, It's it's a better Harrison Ford performance and it's a better like Han Solo role. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I I had a blast watching this and watching Harrison Ford in this role. Um, He's just uh, incredible. Like it's no, it's, you can, it's so obvious that you can tell why he, why Han Solo was such a favorite of, like almost everyone and why Harrison Ford just blew up into this superstar actor. Um, but, um, real quick before we close the book on star Wars, uh, let's go back around the table. Uh, what, what is the best star Wars movie? And I'll, uh, I'll throw in all like 10 Star Wars movies that have been out or however many. Oh shit. All right. Oh my, uh, will you want to go first? Ah. Right. um,
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I I I think my answer. What's that?
0: Uh, um, No explanation, just uh, rapid fire, just the title.
1: Okay. Cheating. Can't decide. Empire Strikes Back or Return
0: of the Jedi. Okay. Neil?
3: Gosh. I'm going to have to say Empire. It narrowly beats out uh, Return of the Jedi,
0: though okay yeah
2: it, it sounds like I'm just going along with everyone else but I think it's pretty I think Empire Strikes is pretty fucking great so okay um the
0: last Jedi for me <laughs> okay um, okay
3: <laughs> let's, get into,
0: Moving on. let's get into recommendations uh on every episode we'll leave you guys with some recommendations Uh, they don't necessarily have to be movie related Um, so uh, William do you want to start us off Uh, do you have a recommendation for us
1: yeah I'd love to Uh, my recommendation is a couple years late uh, coming up on two and a half years late but I'm nearing the end of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Mm. and uh, yeah I don't know if your guys recommendation is a bit more contemporary but it's what I'm in the middle of and I absolutely love it I would love to recommend it to anyone that hasn't played it yet. Uh, yeah, I just... I've played a couple other Zelda games. I've played a lot of video games. From the second I started this one, it was... It's just been a different experience than anything else I've played. And 100, almost 120 hours later, that oh. stuck. Still... I The game still somehow feels so fresh. Uh... I don't know, just amazing. And there's out of that 120 hours, there's probably been a few minutes where I've been bored. Yeah, there's yeah. always just the way the game is designed, and the way it is encouraging you to always, always, always explore. I'm, I'm always climbing up another mountain to see what's on the other side or check every different brand. But the game is just designed in a way that encourages you to that so well and i've shit up and i love it <laughs> and it's so good
3: yeah that's yeah it's one of the titles that makes me jealous of people who have switches like i so <laughs> i want one so bad yep. like just like, get into that Dude, game it's, just it's the, right I, up your alley I it. and then i gotta take it to work and play it at lunch yeah
1: it, it's pretty <laughs> crazy
2: yeah if you haven't uh if you haven't checked it out there's a um, a presentation that was done by the game's lead designer where he talks about exactly what you mentioned how like there's always like this next little thing you want to try to go see or discover like they they literally designed the game with that in mind where they like any blank spot on the map they would dive in and like what can we add here that would want the would get the player interested in exploring this area and like they even talk about how, when like between those places, they would literally add hills so that you'd be encouraged to be like, oh, "What's on? Wonder what's on the other side of that hill," and so you'd go over and see what there what's oh. there. It's a really fascinating talk about how they designed the the exploration elements in that game. So wow. yeah, it's really really I, yeah, cool. I,
1: I would love to listen or watch it, whatever form it's in. I would love to check that. off to look for that or have you sent it to me because I've yeah, got yeah. that while playing it. I mean, the game's very, the game world is. It's very vertical in a lot of ways, but I've thought that before. I'm like, holy shit! I'm constantly climbing up something, uh, you know, climbing up something. I guess yeah, climbing up. Something, I don't have another example, but and the world is not procedurally generated, but it's still a pretty big world. Yeah, they. Mm-hmm. Have to, I mean, there really is always constant something that's grabbing you or calling out to you, and yeah, I've thought, yeah, that'd be really interesting to get some insight into how they, I can only imagine the process to go through that entire map from all these little interesting things.
2: They they also uh, detailed how they prototyped the game using the original Legend of Zelda sprites. And so they built like the entire overworld of Breath of the Wild in like 16-bit or 8-bit graphics with like all the basic mechanics that they were going to use, like the ability to like freeze water, to have a platform to stand on and like start fires that would spread to nearby grass and stuff. And like basically everything that's in breath of the wild, there is a like early prototype version of that in like a 2d side scrolling legend of Zelda wow. game, which is freaking amazing.
0: That's, I want to play that version.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. And, and I have heard that. And I, Cause I, I read that they wanted the Give players the experience again of what it was like to play the original Legend of Zelda the first time. Yep. Dropped into this map, they don't really—they don't tell you shit. Go any direction you want, and and all all these parallels they wanted to do and think about it, and you're like, man, how do you create that in 2017 in three-dimensional space? And the, and then you play the game, and it's just—it's so obvious, it's like oh,
2: They—they they yeah. nailed it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they did. Well, thanks for the too many recommendations. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My
0: recommendation. (laughs) Um, Neil, what's your recommendation?
3: My recommendation is actually uh, related to this movie we just watched, Star Wars, Um, and it's from a YouTube channel. Uh, This was released uh, May 8th of this year, 2019. Uh, It's from the YouTube channel Fixing It in Post. That's F-X-I-T-I-N, Post. Um, And what they did... Was they used both CG and I think some live action footage, and also some like I don't know what the deep fake technology is, but like to put Alec Guinness's face, like his face from the movie, on these actors. And it's essentially oh, excuse me, <clears throat> it's the scene where Obi Wan and Darth Vader have a fight in this movie, only they've updated it to, like, play out in the movie so it's longer and way more action-oriented. Like, but it doesn't, like, break the boundaries of who those characters are in the movie. Like, Vader is super aggressive and stuff, but, like, Obi-Wan still, like, keeps his, like, same fighting style he has in the movie. But, like, it is some... If I don't know how they did it. Like, it took years for them to do. But it's just this one scene where Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight in Star Wars... And it's just—it's incredible. It's like six minutes long, and I highly recommend you check it out. Like, I almost pause the movie where this starts and then watch this and then continue the movie where I left <laughs> off, kind of a thing. But like, it's—it's it's so cool. It just reimagines that lightsaber battle that they have in the movie, and it's just—it's—it's it's so incredible. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's just Star Wars SC thirty eight reimagined uh, by fixing it post
0: that's cool and is this like a, a channel that does more videos like this
3: uh not that i'm aware of They this is mm. like this is the w- one thing they've been working on for years yeah this is like the only thing they actually have in their channel It's just Ooh. them producing this clip but it took yeah. them for a year more to do
2: yeah i i've seen it it's uh it's very impressive and i feel like it fits a like kind of middle ground between what the things that were introduced in the prequels and what we know and love about the original star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I feel like there are still a few places where it feels a bit gratuitous and out of place, but like, I it's, it's just so it's such a great example of like fan inspired, uh, filmmaking. Like it's, it's a very fun watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Tyler, your recommendation. Yeah
2: yeah so I'm also going to recommend something Star Wars related as I kind of alluded to earlier Um, there's a a video on a YouTube channel called Rocket Jump and the name of the video is called How Star Wars Was Saved in the Edit Um, and you may or may not know that uh, when George Lucas had a rough cut of the the original Star Wars put together he screened it for a bunch of his friends including uh, Steven Spielberg and uh, Brian De Palma and they, basically everybody in the audience was like, this is a giant pile of shit. And it was, it was like pretty devastating for him. He really thought this movie was going to flop. That's partly why he, like, that's, that's partly why he, um, Well, so he didn't attend the premiere, for one thing, because he thought it was going to be shit. He uh, was in Hawaii vacationing with uh, Steven Spielberg, and he made a bet with Spielberg that Spielberg's movie, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, was going to do better than his. (laughs) And so they made a bet to trade each other 2.5% of the revenue of the films. Uh, What? and. Yeah, so to this day, Steven Spielberg still makes 2.5% of the profit from the original Star
3: Wars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and, and, yeah, because Steven thought that this movie was going to be better. Um, But uh, that's not how it started, right? Like when in this early edit of the film, like everyone was like, this is garbage. And uh, I, I think Steven Spielberg was the only one who was like, this can be salvaged and it'll be amazing. And this video, how Star Wars was saved in the edit is just an incredible, well researched look at what the original movie would have been if it weren't for some incredibly talented editors who saved it. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, the original, everything that was filmed, just in changing how it was edited, I think this movie would have been a flop. And oh, yeah. A classic, a really great example of that is that the entire climax of this film was originally way different. Um, the The attack on the Death Star was there was no dramatic tension with them being at danger of having them destroy the Rebel base planet. That was added in post. Oh, if wow. you watch that entire final sequence there is nowhere in that entire sequence where anyone on screen is discussing the fact that they are going (laughs) to destroy the Yavin 4 rebel base it is all in cutaways to weird computer graphics of the Death Star like behind the planet and coming around it And it cuts to reaction shots of our heroes and like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, they don't say that, but they're just looking at graphics that have no other characters on the screen that show them come like the Death Star getting into position to fire on the planet. And they reuse the footage of them preparing to fire from earlier in the film when they fired on Alderaan. So it's like so originally it was just going to be them attacking the Death Star sitting out Mm -hmm. in space and it would have been basically like a giant terrorist attack. So, like, you add in the, like, the dramatic tension of them fighting for their lives because if they don't destroy the Death Star, that's going to blow up their whole planet. That just completely changes the climax of the film. And so, like, and it goes through, this video goes through, like, five or six other crazy things that just drastically affected uh the perception of the film so it's a really good lesson in how to edit a film at the same time so Mm -hmm. definitely check that out um how how star wars was saved in the edit by channel rocket jump
0: wasn't also um wasn't also john williams score was added in after this uh screening
2: i believe so yeah Mm -hmm. i think you're right yeah there's so many other weird things like they originally were interspersing cuts of Luke Skywalker on Tatooine just doing nothing just being (laughs) a kid like in the middle of that whole like um, when they're chasing the uh, rebel ship with Leia on it Mm -hmm. and it's just like it was uh, so bad yeah Uh, Tyler I've had that
1: on my YouTube's been recommending that to me for a month now I've been wanting to watch it, so thanks for the.
0: Push. No, that was really. Yes, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't don't follow the algorithm. Just <laughs> just wait. <and laughs> s- just wait till a real human. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I would like to recommend the TV show Fleabag. Uh, this is a, a BBC um, and Amazon like co-production. I think it aired on BBC, and then I think now you can only find it uh, on Amazon Prime. Uh, but this is a um, this is a TV show. It's by Phoebe Walter-Bridge. Um, it, she created it. She's also the star, and I think she's like the head writer and might be like the sole writer writer of the show. But it is a comedy about. Um, about this woman who, uh, is just having like, she's kind of like has hit, or she's hit rock bottom, or she's kind of like, very like, barreling towards rock bottom, and just kind of dealing with family and love, and then like, um, you know, uh, using like sex and drugs to kind of cope with all of her problems. Um, and it's, uh, it's very funny. This is a very like dark comedy. Um, there's a lot of like, I mean, this is definitely a show that like, wait until the kids are like in bed and like heavily asleep before you watch this. Cause it's, it goes to some dark, dark places. um, but Phoebe Walterbridge is incredible. She's this she's an incredible actor and she's is this absolutely incredible writer. Um, this is like one of the like tightest comedies that I've seen in a long time. Like no, like um, each season is only like six episodes. Uh, and they're only like 20 minutes. So like uh, each season it's almost like a movie that's just split up into six episodes. And no scene is wasted. Every scene is like funny, just as funny as the previous scene, and um, all of it is just like there to, like, for character development and plot development. It's it's very incredible. Um. Also, the second season. Um, added in, I'm sure you guys have heard of Hot Priest, but it is um, uh, it's a second season character that's added in. He's, uh, Hot Priest is played by Andrew Scott, which uh, I'm sure all of you know, he plays Moriarty in the um, BBC Sherlock. Mm. And he plays uh, <laughs> he plays um, a priest in the second season of Fleabag and um okay guys uh i'm going to spoil i'm going to drop a spoil on the second season of Fleabag and this isn't the ending this is about like the halfway point but i want to talk about this because um if you're like if you were like me um you're Like, I heard people just raving about this show, and I just kind of stayed away because it's kind of about the main character is kind of terrible, and that just like turned me off. And um, I like just, I like binged this entire show um, like only like a week ago, and I so wish that I would have watched it when it aired, but. And I'm going to give you this spoil because um, this is the reason why you should watch this show, okay? All so right. the show uses uh, the, like, breaking the fourth wall device where the main character will look at the camera and talk to the audience and give, like, exposition and, like, just stuff like that. Think of, like... Um, like house of cards and Malcolm in the middle, you know, stuff like that.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So halfway through the second season, um, so hot priest is introduced in the first episode and they start him and Fleabag start to have this flirtation, which is obviously a problem since he's a priest. And then halfway through the season, the hot hot priest, he references, he asks why Fleabag keeps looking away. Like he references that she is breaking the fourth wall. And it's unclear that if he, I don't think he can hear her like speak like to the audience. But, like, all the other characters in the show in the entire two seasons don't even notice that she is, like, turning her head and looking at the camera until Hot Priest shows up and he's like, why do you keep looking away? Like, you look away and stare at something, and then, then like, you come back to the conversation. And it's completely weird. Like, it weirds her out and it's, they never really talk about it more than he notices that she is talking to someone. And it's so fascinating. And I, it's one of those things that it is a turn that a show takes that um, is so completely fascinating because of like what it means for the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's um, I haven't seen like anyone like discuss it this way but I think the reasoning is because like because a priest notices it it's this very interesting di- dynamic between like religion versus spiritual spirituality and you have this priest who is like who like communes with this higher being. He like um he like helps people like in his congregation like find their way through God and um like discusses the teachings and like he's like shepherding um all these people in his church to like learn more about God, right? And then you have mm-hmm. Fleabag who is an atheist but who literally talks to an omniscient force right <laughs> and the it's so fascinating that they put they use that framing device to like add this layer in this relationship Um, that like neither of them understand their relationship with like a higher power but even though they both they both interact with one in a different way right it's so fascinating i highly recommend fleabag it's just like that relationship um i have not been able to like stop thinking about and just that like layer that the show adds it's so fascinating and i love it um uh, and also the final shot of the second season is iconic. And it's another thing that I, I don't know if I'll ever stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> uh. But that's Fleabag. Highly recommend it. Again, it's it's so short. It's I mean, it's only 12 episodes, like a half hour each. Like you can burn through it. I don't know if there's going to be a third season Um, and I don't know if Andrew Scott is going to come back for a third season I hope they do um, on both of those because I just really want to like see more of these characters on screen Um, it's very fascinating but
3: if you have Amazon Prime uh,
0: yeah if you have Amazon Prime or you're looking for a reason to get a trial for it definitely check out fleabag like it's it's so good it's probably i mean just the second season alone it's probably it solidifies it as like one of the best tv shows that i'll see this year um awesome yeah so uh yeah go check that out fleabag Earth. um that'll be it for this episode of credits do uh, thank you so much, William, for joining us and talking Star Wars.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. I was so glad to be here. I was so happy when you asked.
0: Thank you. It was fun. Um, and uh, so that's it for um, this episode. Um, I hope you'll join us all in two weeks when we'll keep going down this road with Harrison Ford. And we'll be talking about... Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This uh, is going to hmm. be a big one. Um, and until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at
3: Tyler Owen. Hey, you can find me, Neil, at Dino Neil
0: Man on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at CronMaster. That's C-R-O-G-H-A-N, Master. You can follow the show at Credits Due Pod. Um, and again, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, William, for stopping in. And until next time, remember as always, we're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Amen. Yahoo!